Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages or situations. Sheila's teenage son, Stephen, had a been-there-done-that attitude. So when she took him to Cracker Barrel to try new southern bowls, he smirked. He'd done burrito bowls, rice bowls, even a pokey bowl. But Stephen had never seen southern ingredients like sweet onion jam, maple pepper bacon, crispy grits cakes, or pimento cheese sauce. Which meant mom was right. From surprising moments with mom to new southern bowls. For a limited time at Cracker Barrel, enjoy every little thing. And May 6, 2018, menu varies by location. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the NBA Podcast. I'm Brian Toporek, and today we'll be talking about Jabari Parker's ACL tear, Julia Okafor trade rumors, and the latest with the Knicks, also known as a tire fire. Before we get underway, be sure to check us out on Twitter, at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find all three of our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can find us this year on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter, at FanRag. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clear. And Rag Sports, and for their NBA section at FanRag NBA, and then check us out on iTunes. Please subscribe, download, leave us some reviews. We would love to get any feedback from you guys. With all of that said, this week I am joined, as always, by Sarah Chilea and Morton Jensen. How's it going, you two? Doing well, Brian. It's good, good, good to have the gang back together. Yeah, yeah, I know it's been about a month, so uh, we'll we'll get a return of. Uh, Mort's Gar impersonation a little <laughs> a little later on this episode. Well, we have Sarah back now, so she'll reel us in. We kind of needed it. <laughs> right. It went off the rails. Yeah. yeah, yeah. After a five-minute fake press conference last week to start the episode, it's good to have you back, Sarah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. What is that like? How, how many times longer is that than the actual press conference? <laughs> <laughs> uh, about five, right? Yeah. Something like that? There you go. <laughs> Sounds about right. Uh, so we need to start this week with some bad news. Uh, Jabari Parker tore his ACL in his left knee against the Miami Heat on Wednesday. It was the same night that Chris Middleton made his season debut. Uh, remember, Middleton tore his hamstring in the preseason. Uh, it's the same knee that Parker injured a couple years ago as a rookie, which is especially not good. Um, I wrote something about this today on B-Ball Breakdown. It's not up yet, but by the time you're listening, it probably will be. So check that out for more um, 
kind of about the medical implications of it. I talked to my wife, who will soon be a doctor, and she uh, basically confirmed that it is worse that it happened in the same knee twice versus one knee once in each knee, basically. Um, I cite a couple studies in the b-ball breakdown thing confirming that uh, basically the outcome after a second ACL surgery just don't tend to be as good. So with that in mind, uh, Sarah, I want to ask you first, what do you think this injury means for Milwaukee moving forward? And should it adjust their strategy heading into the trade deadline? I don't think it should. I think they should kind of stand pat. And I mean, like we've always said, teams are constantly looking for what's out there. But uh, basically, I think they should just hang with what they have. They have a great young core. Obviously, it's a little disconcerting that that's happened twice in the same knee now. But you just never know how a certain player is going to respond. I mean... One player was running around with no ligaments in his knees for a while. Um, Davis Bertans, who I daily think of building an altar for his knees because, yeah. you know, I'm worried about what's going to happen there. But you just don't know. So, you know, just get going with rehab as soon as possible, which obviously will be a little while. And, you know, hold the course is what I would say right now. And Jabari's a great guy. He was having a great season. I think you just kind of stick with what you have. Worst comes to worst, you get it. You get a good pick this year. <laughs> right. It's not a terrible thing. So, I think they're they're fine. They don't need to freak out for sure. Yeah, uh, Mort. What what do you think? Do you think it changes their course? Oh, I think it. Not really, because you, as you mentioned, Chris Middleton is coming back, right? And mm-hmm. <laughs> which really, oh my god, what a bummer! You finally have them healthy in the same game, and yeah. But he's probably a month away, Middleton that is, from really reestablishing himself because he's been away for a while. Yeah. Uh, so because of that, I just I I think Sarah nailed it. They should just stand pat in that sense. I will mm-hmm. say this though, it would make sense for them to clear a lot of cap space. Um, yeah. Like Greg Monroe coming off the books, they already uh, traded Plumlee. Might be a good idea to consider moving John Henson, for example, if you mm-hmm. know if you're not going to use him. Uh, yep. But that, that that mostly <laughs> ties into the fact that I I believe that teams who have a lot of young players should really try to clear cap space so they could go out and sign a big time player. But mm-hmm. that argument is kind of ruined now because Jabari is in flux. Like, right. what do you do right now? How what's what's the goal here? You could theoretically just say, you know what, screw it, we're going for a high draft pick. And, and and at least we have some kind of insurance and, and a cost-controlled asset for four years who is significantly better um, than if we stand pat. So there are a lot of options for the box. It's just, it's it's so fresh and it hurts. It's uh, I really enjoyed look, watching Parker play this year. He really seems to like develop nicely that corner three ball he got going. He was really like an analytics uh, favorite of mine because shots near the rim, corner threes, and and he yeah. just he just did it so well, um, so that that's it's just it's such a big loss and and it stinks really stinks for the Bucks. I I, I think even though they are like I think it's eight games under five hundred, um, they they still look like they could do some damage if they were to make the playoffs. Like you can't mm-hmm. really count off Giannis, you know, right. You're you're just gonna cape for the Bucks until they go down swinging. You have them in the the playoffs 
our preseason picks, and now you're still not ready to give up their playoff hopes. If you had Giannis Antetokounmpo, <laughs> would you be yeah. willing to like? And by the way, take note, Stacy King. I just Antetokounmpo your ass. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that's true he said it way better than he did yeah i'm with you guys uh i definitely don't think they should like blow this young core up i mean i wrote something last week at b-ball breakdown saying they have the best young core in the league like including 25 and under players with greek freak jabari uh middleton uh brogdon. malcolm brogdon yeah. thon maker uh you know i think that now it's a little quite more questionable because you just don't know what's going to happen with Jabari. Like, even if he makes it, you know, I'm expecting, I don't think this is a career ender for him. Uh, I'm expecting him to come back and age is going to work uh, in his favor here. Because there really isn't that much precedent for a guy tearing his ACL twice in the same knee. I think Kevin Pelton had a column about it. And there's only, it's only happened like one or two times previously uh but both of those guys were in their 30s when it happened so yeah. the fact he's only 21 will work in his favor you just tend to recover a little bit better and more successfully when you're younger versus older um so yeah i don't think they blow up the core i still think you know if parker comes back even a 80 percent of what he was this year that's still a guy worth building around uh i do i'm with you mort i do think this may be encourages them to trade Monroe and or Henson. You know, they've been dangling Monroe for a year now. Um, and, you know, the Pelicans, will get to this in a few minutes, that they're sniffing around for a guy to compliment Anthony Davis in the front court. So maybe they kick the tires. Monroe is a New Orleans <laughs> That ain't <native>. him, though. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Monroe is from New Orleans, so you never know. I think, if anything, this might alter what the Bucks are looking to get back for one of those guys. Mm. So, you know, before Parker went down, maybe they feel like, oh, we're getting Middleton back. Like, we'll trade John Henson for a veteran who's going to help our playoff push. Where now they're probably like, we want to pick or we want a young player who's more aligned with the developmental timelines of Giannis, of Chris Middleton, of Jabari. So that might scuttle deals or make, you know, maybe they were close to a deal and they might have to change course there. Uh, Mort, I want to ask you this, though. So, Parker becomes eligible for an extension in July. Yeah. What do you think this injury means for that? Well, it's tough, right? Because we've seen guys have injuries that, not not ACL injuries, though, but but like Stephen Curry with ankle Mm -hmm. issues, having played like 26 games, and the Warriors were like, what should we do here? Should we play the restricted free agency game or should we just try to lock him up on a deal that's worth a little something to us but could potentially be a problem? Right. Turns out wasn't. So if Jabari is willing to offer them a discount in, in what he's willing to, to receive, I think they should at least look at it. But what that number is, is I have no clue right now. It it depends on what the cab is going to be. It depends on what kind of guy they're going to get in free agency, if any. It depends on the, the, their roster construction and so many things play into it. But if like the injury it comes back, it like if it comes back and it's just it's so bad. We know it's an ACL tear, but like if the rehab is going poorly and it just looks shoddy, you know, then you play the restricted free agency game. You wait it out mm-hmm. until you have more data because. That's really the name of the game right now. It has to be data, 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 data. Uh, yeah. But if the rehab is going well, like really well, 
then you offer him something that is yeah lower than market value and then you see if he takes it or not you could maybe put in some option years like team option years so you had him like two years where you're paying him like 20 million for the first the, for the first and second year and then have options on the third maybe something like 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 that yeah i i'm right with you there i think you know that i even made the steph curry analogy in this thing that's going up at b-ball breakdown shortly because uh, it seems like that's exactly kind of the the playbook here um you know they have no real incentive to offer him a fair market extension which sucks because prior to this injury he was probably getting a four or a five-year max deal this summer um but now you just don't know what he's gonna look like mm. when he comes back and even you know even when he came back from the first one it took him kind of three months to hit his groove like he really didn't start performing all that well until after last year's all-star break and then he kind of hit you know showed what he was going to become this year uh so the bucks say he's out for 12 months which puts his return late january early february so there's a chance that he just doesn't really show all that much yeah next season at all uh which could you know in a way that could benefit the bucks because then other free agent suitors might be scared of also giving him a four-year max deal in restricted free agency. So I think you're right on the money, Mort. I think if they can get him, you know, especially if they do a contract like you suggested, like a two-year guarantee and then two team options and you throw like four years, $80 million at him uh, and he's willing to take that, I think you still do it mm. and just, you know, hope, hope that all works out for him when he's recovering. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, I, I think... This thing is going to cost him a lot of money, which sucks because he was playing so well before he went down. So, so two notes here. First note, and that's about Parker. Like you mentioned, that if he comes back at eighty percent, that's still a player you'd be willing to build around. And I, I agree. Like, mm-hmm. let's look at it. If if he is limited from, you know, from from now on, and he tops out as an eighteen point five and a half rebounds type of guy, like that's still a good player. Like that's yeah. that's still a very good player. The problem is if he tops out at like twelve and four, like right. he he can't play more than like twenty six minutes a game. That's then then he's not worth that kind of dough. But you, as you alluded to, you you simply don't know. Second point: now that the Bucks should look at the youth instead of like the veterans, that also opens up like a Mirza Teletovic trade. Oh and yeah, I'm kind of looking at Sarah because. Sarah Mirza in in San Antonio, he's he last year he was actually the best three point shooter in half court situations, which I believe would fit so well into what San Antonio is doing. But I don't know, is he like too much of a Bertrand? I don't. I don't think you can ever have too much of a Bertrand. <laughs> <laughs> um. I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. And we could always use more shooting, especially like you said, half court. As Kawhi is starting to create a lot more out of the post now. Um, I don't know. That's that's a good question, Mort. It's definitely of interest. Oh, we, yeah, we're, yeah. we're gonna have the Spurs and Bucks talking because of this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, I haven't even thought about. It. I was focusing totally on Monroe and Henson, but you're you're absolutely right. Toledovic should be. They should be open for business on him as well yeah. because I, I'm with you that, you know, at this point, 
they're only two games behind the Pistons for the last seed in the East, but they lost 11 of their last 13. As you mentioned, it's probably going to take Middleton a couple weeks to really get back into the swing of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it seems like the playoffs are a pipe dream. I keep citing this thing, but like Chad Ford had a column recently where he said he talked to some scouts and GMs, and they say it's the deepest draft in a decade. So even if you have a pick in like the 10 to 12 range, mm-hmm. you're still getting a hell of a good player. Like Probably a guy who could have gone top five, top six, top seven in, you know, a couple previous year drafts. So, like, that's a pretty good outcome for the Bucks, you know, because then you could feasibly have an entire starting five really promising young yeah. players. So I can't wait yeah. for when we start talking draft. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I am so players. excited about a whole bunch of players. It's it's yeah. really unbelievable. Well, that's that's going to lead us into our next topic here. Uh, we got some Jaleel Okafor trade rumors to discuss, you guys. And uh, I'm going to just contain my excitement because <laughs> what, Sam Amick of USA Today was the one who first reported this on Monday. He said the New Orleans Pelicans were in, quote, serious talks with Philly about Okafor. Uh, details from there started to leak out. Mark Stein and Mark Spears of ESPN reported they were discussing Okafor for Alexis Ajincha who then the Sixers would waive, according to Real GM's Keith Smith, as well as a protected 2018 first-round pick. Uh, Smith reported that the holdup right now is the protections. The Pelicans wanted to do it totally lottery protected. Philly wanted top five or top ten. But then also basketball insider Steve Kyler threw another wrench in. He said the Sixers weren't as interested in the draft pick. They instead wanted Drew Holiday because Brian (laughs) Colangelo... Thinks he is in any position to deal from a position of strength with Jaleel Okafor, apparently. Um, so yeah, so it, nothing has happened in the last couple days on these talks. They've seems like both sides are somewhat dug into their current positions right now. Amick reported the Sixers had spoken with eight teams about Okafor, so it seems like whether it's in New Orleans or somewhere else, he's going to be playing for a different team come February twenty fourth. But Sarah, I want I want to ask you as our big man expert, how, if if this deal goes down as proposed right now, who do you think wins that trade, and how do you like Okafor's fit alongside Anthony Davis in New Orleans? Yeah, I mean it definitely would be a good good move for the Sixers, especially considering they've had some some unhappiness there in the front court because of the log jam. Uh, but I've been thinking about it. And I feel like Okafor could potentially fit nicely next to AD. Um, you know, they don't have to rely on him defensively as much because AD is there. Um, AD can step out, so it's not like the lane's going to be that clogged offensively. Uh, ideally, you want a guy who could take some of the defensive pressure off of AD, though. Uh, so that's not great. But I'm starting to come around. I'm starting to feel like potentially that could work. I know. What do you guys think about that? I'm going to hear you before I I, I give my opinion. (laughs) Well, I I just I want to play devil's advocate a little bit on Okafor. Okay. Oh. Oh. Uh oh. Well, yeah. Well, here's the thing. He's 21. He's yet to crack 2,500 minutes in the NBA. He is more or less viewed right now as a finished product, and I feel that is wrong. I, I don't think he's a finished product. I do think he is full of faults. Yes, it would also be a good deal for Philly, but that's 
because it opens up minutes for Nolan's Noel and it keeps Joel Embiid like more minute ready as well. It just it, it clears stuff up for Philly, mm-hmm. which is sorely needed. But Okafor has gotten crapped on quite a bit, including by myself, because I've seen the faults too. But looking at him, he's he's still a unique kind of player. I mean, if you give him the ball deep around the basket, he'll he'll put it in. Like I know yep. that's not the way the game is played today, but if you you have a scoring threat down there, you really do. Shooting is something that can come around. That is a skill that can really be built upon. And if he somehow gets a reliable seventeen foot jump shot, especially if he's in New Orleans next to Anthony Davis then that's two guys you can put at the elbow. Uh, I I don't really hate his offensive potential, at least. It's his, it's his defensive potential that I'm concerned about. But I think right. we're kind of... We should ease up on Ogafor a little bit in terms of painting him as this finished product, because he isn't. Re- ready for me to blow your minds? I agree with you guys. <laughs> I don't think. There we go. Yeah, oh. I, I actually really do like the fit of him in New Orleans. And I'm not just saying that in hopes that some Pelicans <laughs> executive is listening to this podcast. And, you know, I, 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 more, you're, you're right. Like he's not at all a finished product. Uh, and I've been saying this all week. Like we did a round table for NBA math and they asked me an unpopular opinion. And I said, Jalil Okafor doesn't, he's not like a total lost cause. He right. is in Philly because he cannot fit next to, Either Nerwin's Noel or Joel Embiid, they have tried both of those combinations, both failed miserably. So as long as Embiid stays healthy and Nerlens is in Philly, Okafor will not succeed there. That said, Sarah, I think you're totally right. Like there is some good kind of two way potential. Like uh, you know, Anthony Davis could step out and hit that mid range jump shot or that three pointer, so he doesn't need to feast around the basket on offense. He's can at least cover some of Okafor's defensive mistakes, especially as a weak side defender. Uh, you know, Okafor, let's be honest, like he's not completely, he's not a complete lost cause on defense. He is horrible at guarding pick and rolls, but like as a one-on-one post defender, he has the body size and he's got mm-hmm. decent enough footwork that he's not, you know, completely miserable in mm-hmm. that facet of defense. So, like, if the concern, which it seems to be the case, uh, you know, everyone always is like, well, why don't you just play Anthony Davis at the five? It seems like he's telling New Orleans management, like, my body cannot handle that pounding every night. Like, I want to play the four. So if that's the case, like, Okafor has the body to play the five. It's can you keep him out of pick and rolls, or if an opponent targets him in a pick and roll, can you create some sort of defensive scheme where Anthony Davis can cover up the fact that he is going to get, you know, that Okafor is going to get blown by. Yeah, he's essentially Eddie Curry. Yeah, yeah, like a rich man's Eddie Curry. You know, it really is. Eddie was a fine post defender when he, you know, established his position down there, but Uh threw him in pick and rolls and just things just went to hell. Same could actually be said of Pau Gasol as well. Like a lot of these bigs have that problem. Greg Monroe too. I mean, even Al Jefferson on occasion could go down the block. If someone attacked him on the block, like he would swat mm-hmm. you and he would at least make you really work for a good shot. There are a lot of yeah. these big guys who can somehow effectively guard the rim if they're given a chance to. 
but it's just not that kind of league anymore. So I completely understand the concern. It is a pick and roll league, and Okafor is probably gonna have to play against Carl Anthony Towns and all those centers who can come out and stretch, like Miles Turner and stuff. Like how how do you guard that? You you don't. You you really don't. And in today's NBA, you are gonna have both power forwards and centers on the same team who can hit the long ball, meaning you you can't really have Anthony Davis guarding both. So so yeah, the defensive concern is totally legit. Here's my thought. Okafor theoretically puts Slim down. Like he's still yeah. young. If he right. drops like 25 pounds and he starts hitting the gym at an insane rate, which we've seen guys do, and he becomes leaner and he becomes quicker, then maybe maybe there's a chance that he could be slightly less slightly below average as a pick and roll mm-hmm. defender and i'll take that like jesus compared yeah. to what he's doing now i'll take slightly below average oh for sure yeah as long as he is not a complete minus on that end of the floor his offensive like you said it well where he he really he does have some rare offensive gifts for a big man like that was the hype coming into the league and he you know he breaks out like one or two of these spin moves a game where you're just like Oh damn! Like that's that's mm-hmm. why everyone in the draft community fell in love with him. I get it. Like we kind of ignored his defensive concerns a little bit or downplayed them too much. But yeah, like the Pelicans really do need that third scorer next to Davis and Drew Holiday. Buddy Heald has shown flashes of that, but he's not quite there. But like their off-season moves of bringing in Etwan Moore and Solomon Hill, those guys aren't good scorers. They're like nice glue guy, all-around player, strong defenders. So I think if you put him on a team, if you put Okafor on a team, where, like, you have four-plus defenders in a lineup with Holiday, Moore, Hill, and Anthony Davis, so you're not exposing him as much defensively, or at least you have guys who could cover up those mistakes, Yeah, and he could provide some real offensive punch. So there we go. Uh, please, Pelicans, trade for him. Uh, one more thing I do want to say. <laughs> You know, there I saw like a lot of sentiment uh, of like, well, this guy was the number three overall pick. Like, what? You're trading only a lottery protected pick for him? Like, that's such a bad return. Why would the Sixers do that? And what you said it well that you know, it's addition by subtraction just because you get to free up minutes for Nerlens and Embiid as well. But also, like at this point, it doesn't matter where a guy was picked. Like, this is the thing we keep coming back to about, like, a general manager refusing to admit his mistakes. Like, we have seen number one picks bust out of the league in three years, like Anthony Bennett. And we've seen a number 30 pick, like Jimmy Butler, turn into a franchise-changing superstar. Like, once you are drafted, where you are drafted stops mattering. So if the Sixers are quick to concede that, like, hey, we probably we probably should have taken Christoph Przingis third. You know, they can't undo that mistake. The only way they fix it is by getting something in return for him. So, yeah. just we need to cut that stupidness out. Like, yes, they are not going to get 100% on the dollar of what you would expect for a number three pick. But Okafor is not performing at the level you would expect from a number three pick. So, that's just, you know, at, at a certain point, you're cutting your losses. 
And and we'll just copy paste that into the Orlando Magic because they're still trying to save face on, yeah. on that whole deal. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. The, if... the, the number of the pick only has value while it still has not been selected. Right. <laughs> After that, the value doesn't exist. Yeah. Exactly. Then it's just a player, and at that point, if the player does not perform up to expectations, it doesn't matter where he was picked. So yeah, yep. I'm glad we're all on the same page there. Everyone, cut your stupidness out about. Not selling low on Okafor. They, the Sixers have to do it one way or the other. But yeah, if the Orlando Magic do not make a move in the next two weeks, we are going to have one one very lit uh, podcast, post-trade oh, podcast. Yeah, that would be fun. And by the way, are you telling me that I can't use my... But Jimmy was picked 30 at argument anymore. <laughs> no, you can, Well, no, because that's only going to bolster guard packs. So no, you should... You should not praise anything they've done, which we'll touch on shortly. But we need to talk now Uh, about the New York Knicks again. Uh, It's another week, another crazy week with the Knicks. Possibly this one might be the craziest one so far. So just a quick recap. uh, Bleacher Report's Kevin Ding wrote a column on Tuesday that was critical of Carmelo Anthony's will to win. Uh, He wrote that he's, quote, addicted to his individual success no matter the experience or insight put around him to teach him something more. Phil Jackson, the New York Knicks team's president, then tweets that Ding's column, quote, almost rings the bell, which is widely interpreted as his most transparent shot yet at Carmelo Anthony. Uh, you know, he, there has been reports that he's basically trying to force Anthony to waive his no trade clause and get out of New York. Uh, this really seemed to expedite that process. However, Jackson's antics are, quote, working to harden Anthony's resolve to stay with the franchise, according to Adrian Wojnarowski of The Vertical. Of so ESPN. we've talked. Oh, yeah, of soon to be ESPN, <laughs> that's right. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll attribute him to The Vertical while that's it. <laughs> so weird. Um, so we've talked a lot about the Carmelo side of this the last couple episodes. So this week, I want to talk about the Phil Jackson side of things because. Ian Begley of ESPN.com reported that multiple agents said that the way Jackson has handled Anthony would turn their clients off of signing with the Knicks. Um, Spike Lee, you know, famed Knicks fan, told a reporter for ESPN's Chinese outlet that he would personally pack Phil Jackson's bags. Uh, So, Sarah, do you think... The way that Phil Jackson has handled things, do you think that it really will jeopardize the Knicks' chances of landing a marquee free agent? And if so, do you think they should let Phil go at the end of this year? There's no doubt that that all the eyes of the world are on the Knicks right now thinking, what are you guys doing? And yeah, the crazy thing is it probably, if it comes down to Phil or Mello, it feels like both of them obviously are going to move on at some point. But at this point, it, it is Phil. So, and he created the whole situation. That's what blows my mind about the whole thing. Right. You've caused this kind of thing that could push yourself out the door. It, it's been so unprofessional by a, a grown man. Like, how old is he? And yeah. The tweets. It's just, I, it's amazing to me. Yeah. And then he said that the tweet was misinterpreted. It's right. Like, Look, you clearly meant that you agreed with the article, except for the part where you might have been silly enough to think you could change him. That was really all he said was, well, I didn't think I could change him. It doesn't matter. Whatever you thought, even if Carmelo cares more about his individual stats than he does winning, 
You gave him the no, no trade clause. It, <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't know what else to say. Right. I don't know what else to say, you guys. Yeah. yeah you guys really have a problem with old white men on Twitter, don't you? <laughs> Americans in general, yeah. yes, we do. It's, <laughs> has not been a banner year for old white men on Twitter. Uh, yeah, has anyone actually seen Phil Jackson and Donald Trump in the same room? Are we sure they're not the same person? <laughs> no, he's Gar, uh, remember? Also... He's also Oh, I know. Yeah, that's true. Maybe all three of them. Have all three of them ever been in the same room? Phil uh, Gar Trump. Also... <laughs> oh, God. We should also mention the other absurdity that came out of the Knicks this week, this Charles Oakley drama. Uh, I'm sure all of you have heard about this, but a brief recap. He was arrested and charged with three counts of assault following an altercation in the stands near James Dolan on Wednesday night. A police source told ESPN.com's Ian Begley that Oakley purchased a seat a few rows behind Dolan and was making comments at him. Dolan then had security escort him away. That did not go very well. Uh, After the game, the Knicks released a statement on Twitter. Their PR department said this. Uh, Charles Oakley came to the game tonight and behaved in a highly inappropriate and completely abusive manner. He has been ejected and is currently being arrested by the New York City Police Department. He was a great Nick, and we hope he gets some help soon. Oh. Which actually actually sounds like it was written by Donald Trump's press secretary as well. I'm pretty convinced Sean Spicer wrote that that uh, statement. So no, because going... no, because there was something factual correct in it that was he was a great <laughs> Nick, so it couldn't have been Sean Spicer. Yeah. Also that he did, in fact, come to the game tonight. Yes, that yeah, is that exactly. Is so, an alternative. Yeah, you know, there's something fact. factual in it. We can just, yeah, it wasn't him. <laughs> right. Good point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so going back to this whole uh, Phil Jackson free agent thing, a couple prominent names uh, were reacting to the Charles Oakley situation uh, and also kind of alluded that this could affect their vision of the Knicks moving forward. I will just read a couple of them. Reggie Miller, uh, Pacers legend, works for Turner Sports now. He asked, if you're a free agent to be, why would you play for an owner who treats the past greats like this or a president who stabs star player in the back? Chris Paul, who is notably a free agent this summer, said, quote, hope he gets some help soon. Not the right way to portray Oak. Always had my back and the realest person our league has seen. Uh, Dwayne Wade on Instagram said 10 years Oak gave everything he had for this organization and the image everyone will be left with won't be this picture it will be the image of him being taken down in the ground last night in the same arena he gave his all to it as a player by the guards this could happen to any of us so Mort do you think Kristaps is kind of doomed to become the next boogie like a transcendent star stuck on a dysfunctional team with no sign of help You've actually asked me this before, and I've kind of said, well, it's New York. You know, players have short memories if they're a thrown bunch of cash. But I'm going to change that statement now because this has gotten so bad that, no, I don't think a a player with with any sense of of dignity would want to sign (laughs) there. Uh, I think it's really gotten bad. I think James Dolan is by far the worst problem they have with Phil coming in as as a second but a distant second actually because Jake Dolan is is that bad like you guys know that he actually hands out his own CDs right to, yes. to free agents like <laughs> yep. from his shitty band that's, that's <laughs> he legitimately does this because he thinks he's 
absolutely fantastic, and I've heard his music. It's not. He's not. It's really bad. So uh, they they just they have such a bad vibe going right now. We are a couple of months away from summer still, but not long enough to to properly distance themselves from it. So yeah, Kristaps Porzingis uh, should consider taking the qualifying offer. I'm going to go wow. that far. Like wow. he should deny a contract extension. He should accept the qualifying offer, become like the five-year guy that no one else does. I know it's a risk. I know that, especially for guys seven three, long limbs could easily hurt them. I know it's not going to happen, but just imagine if he got out of New York after five seasons and was able to pick his own place and and blossom somewhere else where the negativity doesn't crawl like spiders. <laughs> By that point, uh, Philly. We'll hopefully have enough cap space. That'll be back right off, Philly. Then. We have Sam Hinkie by then. <laughs> yeah, right. That's true. Well, Sam Hinkie didn't want Kristaps, clearly. Oh, so. Sam Hinkie <laughs> wanted Kristaps. Stop. Stop this yeah. nonsense, Brian. Yeah, you know you know where I stand on that. Yeah, I know. Uh, but, but yes, I'm, I'm with the, both of you, I think. You know, Carmelo is a member of Team Banana Boat. So it's like you're pissing off the most powerful players in the league. Like, you, mm-hmm. do you not know that he's BFF with Chris Paul and LeBron James and Dwayne Wade? Like, what are you doing? Uh, and Sarah, I think you said it well. Like, this is completely of Phil Jackson's making both the no trade clause, which was 100% his fault, and he didn't have to offer him that big of a contract to begin with. Uh, but also, like, this drama this year is, like, taking subtle shots at people in the media just not a smart play. Like you're not driving up Carmelo's trade value right now. <laughs> At this point, like yeah. you're probably not going to get all that much of value for him. Like we were talking last week about how like, oh, they don't want to take Jamal Crawford's contract back. It's like, well, you kind of dug your own grave. So that's what you're getting back. Like you're not getting Kevin Love for him. You're not getting Blake Griffin for him. You're getting like Austin Rivers and a bad contract in Jamal Crawford. Nah, maybe something else, but we'll pick that up later. Okay, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I feel for Knicks fans, man. You guys have been through a lot, uh, and I'm very sorry for you for turning. It, like, now there's really just, there's the actual Kings, the Knicks are Kings East, and then the Bulls are Kings Midwest. And I want to. And Sarah start. Spurs are still owning everyone, and like we we know the we know of all the misery, and Sarah's just sitting there silently in her chair, smirking <laughs> yeah. at us because right. I like the Spurs. I don't have any problem whatsoever. You guys are just bitching every damn episode we're in, but I'm ha- I'm having the time of my life watching these guys. I have Kawhi. Who do you guys That's have? True. That's true. Hey, we have Joel Embiid. Once he maybe comes back from this bone bruise, is he? <laughs> Yeah, and I have Jimmy Butler, but we—I still admit that I don't have Kawhi Leonard, and I'm—and I'm upset. So that is true. Okay, so yeah, poor Kristaps, poor Knicks fans. We're very—we're sorry for you guys. Hang tough. Maybe uh, James Dolan will just keel over one day, and you'll actually have a competent owner and turn into a real franchise. So, Uh, yeah, did you hear Jimmy might? Might want Carmelo. Oh yes, that, that saw, was actually the one that. I was I was going to talk about because okay, yeah, you, please. You, you just you just touched on it, like his trade value is lessening, right? Yeah, significantly, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so Bulls call up the Knicks and they 
they tell him, you know, you want out of this contract. You want out of Carmelo Anthony. You want to start all over, right? And the Knicks are going to be like, yeah, we want something good, though. And, and Bulls are going to be like, kind of screwed yourselves, didn't you? And, <laughs> and, and Phil is going to be like, yeah, okay. Rashawn Rondo, Taj Gibson, a protected first-round draft pick. That's what's on. That's on. That's on the table. That's that's. And and then the Bulls go. I dare you to get better. I dare you to go find better. And if the Knicks go find something better, they just include Nikola Mirotic. That's it. You just you, and and then the, I don't think there are there is a team out there who's willing to give up more for yeah. for Melo. And I look. Oh. This isn't like a good Bulls plan. But at least, right. I mean, I, I'm I'm looking at it this way. I'd rather have Melo than than you know Rashawn Rondo. And I, I love I love Tosh, but you know he deserves to come home. He's from New York. He's from Brooklyn. Sure. So why not? Yeah. And I, I you know it could be fun seeing like half of Team Banana Boat being yeah know, yeah for true. a change, and then Jimmy Butler on top of it, and everything going batshit crazy at the end of the year. That'd be fine. I'd be fine. Just, yeah. just murk it up. It doesn't matter. The, like, Gar and, and, and John Paxson, they're still going to be there anyway. So it doesn't matter is kind of my point. It doesn't matter. Right. They're not going to yeah. be rebuilding. They're not going to contend at any time soon. I just, we just might as well have fun now if you're a Bulls fan. So bring <laughs> on Melo. Bring him in there. Why not? Like, sure. Yeah. Give give Chris Paul a super max deal in the summer. Why not? Why not? You're not going to win anything. Just do it anyway. You know, yeah, it doesn't hey, matter. The- the winter here hasn't been that bad this year. Of the four years I've been here, this has been a pleasant winter. So you don't have to worry about that, Carmelo. We didn't get any snow this week. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I actually, I mean, I hate that plan for the Bulls' long-term future. Sure. But, like, <laughs> but they, as you said, Garpax, or, uh, yeah, Garpax are reportedly safe through the offseason, according to Casey Johnson and the Chicago Tribune. There's nothing they can do. Even missing the playoffs, they will exactly. still... So even if they did make a plan, it wouldn't work. They would still find a way to mark it up. So, you know, it doesn't matter. Just do whatever, Bulls. Do whatever. I don't care anymore. I'm numb. (laughs) I'm completely numb. I'm I'm looking over to Sarah, and I'm just like, you know, can I join the Spurs bandwagon now? Just officially? (laughs) So we're going to have, like, a two- Spurs fans on this podcast from henceforth. I, I don't. I don't care anymore. Just do whatever you want, Bulls. <laughs> care. That, that would be super fun. I, I really hope that happens. And you're probably right that they won't actually find an offer better than that. Although I could also see them because no free agent will actually take their money now, mm-hmm. or no good free agent will. Like Derrick Rose is signing a five-year max deal there. Oh, it could be so just, funny if he did that. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> like, just wait. But just like, wait. just just imagine this for a second because you would have to play Melo at the four like full time. So you got Lopez, sure. Melo, Butler, Wade, and then MCW. MCW, yeah, yeah. That's fine. I, I could that's roll like, with that. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. They need to make that <laughs> deal by what's uh, by Thursday because I'm going to the. Bulls Celtics game on Thursday. Oh, so, that could be great. That would be great. I want to. I want to see Melo against the Celtics, and then they, the Celtics, could just be like, "Ah, oh, what could have been? Yeah, if only we didn't overvalue all of our assets." And James Dolan would love Rondo because oh, he's yeah. a name. He's a name. He's a point guard. He's going to get the ball to Kristaps. Right. Right. That's that's the logic. Also, adding Rondo to the caustic chemistry in that locker room already—that's yeah. going to be that. That just you're right. That needs to happen. I'm sold. 
Let's do it. Uh, okay, let's let's move on. We're going to bring back our deep dive section this week because we need to talk about two teams that were left for dead early in the season and have since sprung back to life. We'll start with the Washington Wizards, who are 25-9 and after starting the season 6-12. and They're only two games behind Boston for the East number two seed, and they are tied with Toronto for number three. I'm going to read out a few fun facts here that all of these are true. You can look them up later, verify them. Since December 5th, which is when they started this hot streak, they are among the top seven in both offensive and defensive rating. They have the best net rating of any Eastern Conference team over that span, including Cleveland, including Boston, including Toronto. Since December 5th, their starting lineup is outscoring opponents by 11.2 points per 100 possessions. Among lineups with at least 200 minutes, they only trail the starting lineups of the Warriors and the Spurs over that span. And they are 12-2 and over their last 14 games. One of those losses was a ridiculous overtime loss to the Cavs on Monday, in which LeBron James hit probably what is the shot of the year so far. Uh, over that span, they are trailing only the Warriors and Miami in terms of net rating, and they rank among the top four in both offense and defense over their last 14 so, Sarah, do you think the Wizards, are, are they a legitimate threat to make the Eastern Conference Finals? And are they even a dark horse? Like, should we consider them as a threat to knock off the Cavs and make it to the Finals? They're definitely, I would put them as a threat to get to the Conference Finals. I I mean, I'm interested to see what you guys think. I'm obviously not super plugged into the East, but my overall feeling is that nobody has played so well that I would say they're a lock to be there with the Cavs. So, yeah, I mean, you talked about how hot Washington has been lately at the start of the streak, which, you know, spread over like two months now. But even overall for the season, they have the third best field goal percentage in the NBA. And I don't feel like it's unsustainable. It's it's like 47%. <laughs> I think they can do that. Um, they're also fourth in opponents' turnovers per game at 157 uh, whole starting five is in double-figure scoring. Freaking Otto Porter's got an effective field goal percentage of 63. Yeah. <laughs> my boy. It's ridiculous. Yeah, my boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my, my my crush of the last time I was on. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, I don't see why they can't. I think that's all sustainable. They're, they're a little thin. Uh, it would be nice. You know, they haven't had Mahimi all year. Mm-hmm. Imagine if they did. Um. But I, I, I feel like some of the other teams that are contending with them for that uh, second in the East are have the same issues. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't see why the Wizards can't be right there. Uh, as far as knocking off the Cavs, uh, I don't want to put them there yet. But, I mean, the Cavs have had some defensive issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the problem is the Wizards would need to stop them as well. Right. Uh, but... But they can they can compete. Yeah, I mean that that overtime game Monday was one of the most fun regular season mm-hmm. games I've seen in quite some time, and it was just like coming off of the Super Bowl. It was like, all right, that Super Bowl was really exciting. I need a good NBA game, and then boom, I think what I forget what I think like Lakers Knicks got flexed out of that spot yeah. in favor of <laughs> yeah in favor of Cavs Wizards. So whoever did that on TNT. I'm not even being a company man right now. Just thank you. You deserve a promotion. You deserve a raise. <laughs> they need a raise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, oh, you are a learned scholar, whoever you are. Uh, Mort, 
where do you stand on the Wizards? And since you're our, our trade machine guru, do you think they need to make a move to bolster that bench before the playoffs? Like, the only move I'd make, and that's not going to happen, is Jan Mahimi. Like, if, if they could get out of that contract, because that mm, those yeah. injuries are pretty concerning. And it seems like they're doing pretty well with this stretch and flow offense that they're running with. And mm-hmm. Martian Gortat, like, he's handling 35 minutes a game right now at age 32, 33, whatever he is. Mm-hmm. So, uh, okay, you know, that, that might not be optimal, but then you can give Jason Smith some extended run off the bench if you need, uh, if you need to. So I, I would look to trade Mahimi for something. I just don't know what. And I, I'm not sure if I'm there in terms of like giving up future first-rounders to bolster mm-hmm. the, the, the bench or, or maybe even their first unit, but I'm damn close. I am damn wow. close because they are looking so good. And here's the big takeaway from this, and I'm kind of surprised that none of you mentioned it. Bradley Beal can definitely yeah. play um, 34 minutes a game. Like, remember, we've talked about this several times over, that he yep. actually admitted that he might never be able to play 30 minutes a game for the rest of his career, and everyone was like, oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, right. he's, he's averaging 22.5 points playing almost 35 minutes a game, and he's doing it well, like shooting almost 30, over 39 from three, having hit 135 triples already in 48 games. I mean, he's all-star snub-ish, actually. Yeah. I would yeah. say. I, right. He's He's been putting up huge numbers. There's no doubt. Like, he's putting up career-best numbers. Um, you know, <laughs> we had a, a uh, roundtable today at the Step Back all about the Wizards, and one of the questions was about Bradley Beal. And I was like, I just watched Zach Levine and Jabari Parker tear their ACLs this week. I'm not going to say anything nice about Bradley Beal. I do not want to jinx him. Because oh. I just written like two things about Jabari, and then he goes and tears his ACL. So yeah. I'm going to stay silent. All I will say is this about Bradley Beal: It seems like remember over the off season there was like John Wall had that interview with Jay Michael of CSN Mid Atlantic where he like just threw some weird shade and said like we don't really get along on the court. That seems to be a non-issue. Yeah, uh, thankfully it's you know like Wall and Beal are playing well uh, synergistically. They are not conflicting on the court thankfully uh i mean wall is playing you know he is an all-star but he's he started slow as he came back from two knee surgeries this offseason but he is playing at frankly you could argue he's playing better than any point guard in the east right now um yeah i mean sarah you mentioned Otto porter markeith morris has also been really good like that was well worth uh that trade last year that yeah. was, you know he's on a reasonable contract very like w- it's always been the thing. Like, if he plays motivated, he could be really good. He just wasn't motivated in Phoenix. And you figured, like, once they stumbled this year, that might be the end for Marquise Morris giving a shit this season. But, like, he's playing really well. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you, Sarah. I don't know that I would pick them in a seven-game series against the Cavs, but I absolutely think they are a threat to get there. And... It's not without. It's not outside the realm of possibility that they could beat the Cavs. You know, I mean, yeah. the Cavs are missing J.R. Smith on Monday night, but like both teams just played really well, and it was a really entertaining game. And I'm frankly hoping, you know, I want to see Boston Washington in the playoffs because they have this weird blood feud going on. 
but I kind of want Washington to beat Boston so we can see a Cavs Wizards Eastern Conference Finals. So, so there's one note on the Wizards that it's they're kind of like, and Sarah can probably uh, would, would probably agree with this. If you look at their starting lineup, much like San Antonio's for years on end, they don't have a guy who's a liability hmm. on either yeah, end. That's true. Like yeah. they 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 continuously have guys getting big minutes who are at least average at worst on one end of the court. Like Bradley Beal, at worst average defender. And right. I would even say above average on, on some nights. I mean, he can really tune it on when he's when he's got his legs going. Then the worst score of the bunch, Marching Gartat, is not really a bad score at all. It's just because he's kind of laying back. I mean, he, he's shooting 60% from the field because he's not taking a bunch of shots. But you could easily increase his volume, and he would still be an effective scorer. He could he could put in 14, 15 on his own, no problem. So yeah. you have guys with the capability of doing stuff, which is very similar to what the Spurs did for years on end with Tim and Manu and Tony and whatever. It, it's consistently having guys who contribute on both sides of the court, and you don't have to hide them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Um. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's move on. Uh, we need to talk about one other team doing really well in the East. That is the Miami Heat. Uh, they started eleven and thirty. They looked like they were a lock to compete with the Nets and the Sixers and the Suns for that top four seed in the lottery. Since then, they have won twelve straight, uh, and they have the league's best defense over that span. So, you know, I mentioned Dion Waiters, I believe, two weeks ago as my crush. Uh, he's been playing excessively well still, t- almost 21 points, nearly five assists, four rebounds, 2.6 threes a game. More, what, do you th- what has gotten into Miami? And is this team a legit playoff threat? Oh, don't you dare go to me because, you know what? We have to go through our big man expert first when Hassan Whiteside <laughs> is on the team. So That's true. All right, yeah. Sarah. Yeah, what, what do you think about this this sudden surge from the Heat? Well, do y'all remember back in the very beginning of the year, I went to that preseason game, Spurs-Heat, and it was the game that almost broke me because it was the first time that Tim Duncan wasn't out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I remember thinking there's something there with Miami that I kind of like to the fact to the point that I almost wanted to put them in the playoff conversation then. And... I mean, it's it's still there. They have length. They have def- defensive potential, and and I remember that night that they moved the ball very well too. And that's kind of been their mo. Of course, I never could have foreseen that they would go on this kind of run, especially without Winslow. Mm-hmm. Um, they've just defied all the odds. But if you look at some of their defensive numbers, they're sixth in defensive rating according to B-Ball Reference. Um, First in opponents three pointers made, second in opponents three points attempted, uh, fourth in three point percentage for opponents, uh, third in opponents assist. Which you know, how much does they affect that? Apparently, they they don't let people move the ball a lot, and and uh, and then on the other side of the ball, they kind of just find what works for them. Not only do they move it, they push it. And Zach Lowe this morning had his little 10 things I like and don't like. Ooh. He mentioned that, that 32% of their threes come from the corners, which is hmm. far and above everybody else for that particular stat. So if they just get to what works for them, you got to give Spo credit. <laughs> you know, they, they're they going to move the ball. They, they 
keep attacking you with cuts and this kind of motion offense. They want to get their shots from the corner. And, and they just make it work and throw in some Dion Waiters magic. And here we have this improbable run. It's impressive. Are we sure that Justice Winslow is a good basketball player? I'm sure that he will be. <laughs> so, so yeah? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think in the long run he will be. I think he needs... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah sure, but, sure, but right now. Oh, I don't think he's bad per se i think he's like i don't think he was hurting their rotation i'll say that much he, he was struggling this year from the floor and like i said i thought his form looked pretty good and then he had that wrist injury that i think hindered it a little bit uh i expect him to look better next year though mm-hmm. still it's just when i mean I, I get the defense potential of his because I agree with that. And it seemed like he has a very good control of the game. He's an improving passer and all that. But like offensively speaking, it it just at least this year, it just screamed Rondo to me. Oof. It just screamed Rondo. He couldn't hit a damn thing. And it just seemed like getting him out of the rotation, unfortunately due to injury, you never want that, but just you know right. yeah. It just seemed like you were kind of left with superior options, at least offensively, and that just created better symmetry, I guess. Well, didn't he... Like, he started the season well, I want to say, and then I think he hurt his wrist, I want to say. And then Mm -hmm. at that point, it, like... He came back from it, or he tried to, and then then his offensive game never really seemed to recover. But I could be misremembering this. But yeah, he, he remember... had yeah he had two good games in the first three games, and it was it was off to the races with the bad percentages: the three of fifteen, mm-hmm. five of eighteen, two of thirteen. Jesus. Okay. Wow. And then then he was away for a long time. Then he returned, and he actually had a few games that were better. But overall, mm-hmm. no, it's just it's been very constant throughout the year. It you know I, it's not that I put a whole lot of stock into it. He's he's. I think he's going to be fine in the long run. It's just right now, just I, he was given like starter minutes and a huge role, and I just don't think he was ready. Not yet. But do you think that's a bad thing, though, for, for such a young team that's rebuilding? Is it, is it bad to give him a ton of minutes? Or No, no, not, not, not at all. But just if we're comparing it to how Miami is playing now, then you could okay. see that he was he might have been holding up some sort of... Yeah, offensive symmetry. I'm just going to repeat that because I don't have a better word for it. When you have a guy out there playing 35 minutes a game and he's shooting 35% from the field, can't hit the long ball, can't even hit from the free throw line, at the end of the day, you're playing four-on-five basketball for 35 minutes a game. So that's a concern. Now, if you then take those minutes and spread them out to a bunch of shooters, then you suddenly have layers. Ogres have layers. You know, so... I think, I mean, obviously Dion lately, I, it, he must have, like, been possessed or something or sold his soul to the <laughs> devil because he's playing insanely well and they weren't getting that from him early in the season. But you you bring up an interesting point in that when Justice was healthy, James Johnson didn't really have that much of a role in the rotation. But lately he's, like, James Johnson's been a revelation. I want to read mm-hmm. his stat line from this 12-game win streak. Uh, 11.8 points, 4.9 rebounds, 4.5 assists, 1.4 steals, 1.1 blocks in 28 minutes a game. So, like, he's just kind of doing it all for them. 
And then, like, Goran Dragic is playing really well. It, correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, Whiteside hasn't been playing all that well right, lately, right? Like, they've kind mm-hmm. of been doing this in spite of him. Like, it's been Dragic, Dion, and James Johnson mostly. Yeah, but that's that's kind of unfair because he's been given a, such a huge role right now, offensively speaking, and he's not, like, a natural scorer. I feel mm-hmm. Miami is sort of misusing him offensively a little bit. I mean, he... He's taking almost 13 shots a game now compared to like nine last year. That's a huge mm-hmm. load when you consider it's a per game issue. Like you also yeah. see his blocks are, are are really down, gone down from like four, no, 3.7 to two a game. So he's just spending so much time trying to assert himself offensively. Still, I mean, can't hate on 17 and 14. No, no, you can't. You definitely can't. So... It seems like we all believe this team at least could sneak into the playoffs, especially if they continue playing this well. I want to ask this question because CBSSports.com's Matt Moore has been throwing it out on Twitter and he's been catching a lot of heat for it. Do you think if they make the playoffs, that is good for their long-term future? Well, that is a good question. So I am going to take my time and just give it to Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You know what? I think it is good for their future. Um, Just because they've found something that is working for them that they can build on regardless of what kind of pick they get. Mm. Obviously, they still need to do work with that roster, Mm -hmm. and they will, but I don't think it's a bad thing to have guys buying into whatever system works for them. I mean, I think they have like seven guys right now in double figures. And that's not counting Justice, who's been out, you know, who had the season-ending surgery. So he would be eight. But, yeah, I I don't think that's a bad thing at all. What I I think is we got to get, I believe his name is Nikias, who I think also writes for FanRag Sports. Yes. If we're really going to do the the deep dive on the heat, (laughs) I feel like we got to get him because I really respect his his opinions on the team, and, and he's probably more plugged in and, and watches them more than anybody I know. So yeah, that's a fair point. Ask him. If, if we, uh, if they keep winning through the all-star break, we will try to get him on so we can talk mm. a little bit more. But, I, uh, I, I think I have an answer now, by the way. Okay. Yeah. Right. Fire away. Let's hear it. I would have agreed with you, Sarah, had this been any other season than the one having Markel right. Fultz in the draft. Simply because this draft is, so goddamn strong. Mm-hmm. I think it would have made a ton of sense for Miami to just bottom out this year. Because if you get a Markel Fultz in there, you are looking at the new Dwayne Wade in Miami, basically, but with a jump shot. That's I, I, I know I'm hyping this kid wildly, but I think mm-hmm. he's that good. I think yeah. he's that good. So I think in any other year, I would take the exact same approach as you would just not this particular season so we're in agreement but we disagree yeah right that's that's an interesting yeah see i i'm more along matt moore's line of thinking that like yeah of course you want to make the playoffs you want to give some hope to your fans but like when you're 11 and 30 you're expecting kind of that top four pick even if marco fultz wasn't in this draft i would say for the long-term health of that organization it would have been better to get a top five pick than to make 
you know, a first round exit in the playoffs, which is likely what they are headed for if they make the playoffs at all. Um, you know, again, the draft class is super deep, so maybe they find a gem at 14 or 15 or 16 or wherever they went, wind up. But the odds are much higher, obviously, uh, toward the top of the draft. And they owe two of their next five first-round picks to the Phoenix Suns from that Goran Dragic deal. So I was with you, Mort. I thought at 11 and 30, I thought they were going to bottom out, trade Dragic to wherever they could get, yeah. you know, hopefully get one first-round pick in return at least. So you still have some assets moving forward to build around. Um, and then, yeah, get, you know, a Dennis Smith Jr. Or a guy oh, like, that would be cool. Or, or Alonzo Ball or Fultz or a Frank Nick however you say his last name, the Tila something like that. Um, you know, just get having, like, Hassan Whiteside's 27, I want to say. Like, he's mm. still young enough that you're, you don't need to be in a win-now mode. And frankly, it doesn't seem like this team should be winning as much as it is. So it's like, I understand why fans are excited, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with more in that I would have rather... <laughs> If I was a Heat fan, I'd almost rather just you know have this one down year than get a young prospect to pair next to Whiteside. So you just mentioned Whiteside is twenty seven, right? That, I think yeah, he yeah, is. Yeah, he, there, he right? is. He's he's going to be twenty eight this year, and it's it's okay. kind of interesting because there are actually a couple of guys right now, or actually a whole bunch of guys who are in that age group who are stuck on teams where you don't really know which direction they're going to go, like Serge Ibaka uh-huh. on yeah. Orlando, and you have Jimmy Butler on the Bulls. Like, yeah. we should just create a team where you can have those prime guys, like Kemba Walker. <laughs> like Kemba Walker, like Kemba Walker uh, at the point, yeah. Jimmy at the two, Hassan at the five, Ibaka at the four. Just run all with George all those. Three. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's another guy. Like, the Pacers don't know what they're doing right now. They don't yeah. know what direction they're going to go in. Just... All those uncertain franchises, just you know, give it up. Just start from scratch. Just leave your your talented franchise guys at the door. We'll start up a new franchise, and those 27-year-olds can just start playing. That would, that would be nice. That would be. Yeah, Boogie needs to get out, too. Oh, Boogie! He, Damn, yeah. look! Yeah. See, see what I'm saying? Yeah. That is a, That would be a super fun team. Yeah. You could see most of them in the All-Star game, in fact. Um yeah, so, all right, well, we will revisit Miami if they keep this ridiculous wedding streak up, and maybe we can even have Nikias on here. I think we'll, we will table our MVP conversation until next episode. Maybe we can do uh, a whole awards roundup kind of at the All-Star break. So look forward to that. More, let's touch quickly. We took, play, took part in B-Ball Breakdown, did a mock trade deadline. Yes, we did. Uh, I think it was the last week, I want to say, mm. where each he had 30 different writers or uh, people affiliated with basketball on basketball Twitter. Each took control of one team. We were just, in the, It's weird. Some people tried to take this seriously, and then some people were just like, yeah, I'm going to trade my entire damn team. Like, I don't want it to be recognizable <laughs> yeah. at all. Like, So you could look at B-Ball Breakdown for the whole recap of it uh portland in particular is completely unrecognizable completely. But i want i want to read you were the bulls i was the sixers obviously i want to read the three deals that the two of us made and then we could just briefly explain our rationale yeah so you yeah. uh as the bulls gm <laughs> as Garpax, you said Dwayne wade mcw and isaiah canaan to the new york knicks 
for Courtney Lee, Lance Thomas, and Brandon Jennings. Mm-hmm. And then you sent Nikolo Miritich and your 2018 and 2020 second round picks to the Atlanta Hawks for Mike Muscala and Mike Scott. Yeah. So wh- what were you trying to do uh, heading into the week, and then how did this exercise kind of change that? If all, right. all right. Well, first of all, um, on the very first day that this began, I started getting Jimmy Butler offers, obviously. Of course. But sure. they were so bad that I almost <laughs> cried. Like, literally, like, tears were forming in my eyeballs as I was reading some of those offers. They were horrendous. So I decided to basically say, well, if you're not going to be serious and you're going to waste my time, I'm just going to build around Butler instead. So this is my half ass <laughs> attempt to give Butler a strong shooting uh, lineup or surround him with shooters, I should say. Okay. And, like, Dwayne Wade, you know, I like the guy. It doesn't you know, it doesn't fit in. He's not a shooter. So, mm-hmm. by Dwayne, Michael Carter-Williams, I kind of like MCW. He's been playing better, but still <laughs> not a shooter. Bite your, bite your tongue. No, he's been playing better. Don't worry. Yeah, I'm not, has, I'm not he saying he's been. like a franchise-altering talent like you guys <laughs> thought for a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now. Yeah. And, and so, by MCW, Isaiah Cannon hasn't... I don't think he's made a shot in like... A month or two months or whatever. So buy Cannon. And I just wanted some stability in Courtney Lee. And it doesn't matter that Courtney is a two-guard because you can just play Jimmy on the ball. doesn't matter. Yeah, um, Courtney is a defensive-minded two-guard who can spot up and hit the three-ball. Lance Thomas, yeah. underrated um, three-slash-four who can shoot. And he's here's the thing. He's dating a Dane. So oh. you, I had to represent, <laughs> you, you know. Yeah, I mean, sure. I had to represent. And then Brandon Jennings, because, well, at least there's going to be a point guard on my roster who can actually hit a three-point shot. <laughs> so that's that was my logic from there. And then okay. in the Atlanta deal, which I did with Casey Sager, um, I traded Nikola Mirotic because he's shooting 30% from downtown. <laughs> I, sure. I, he's, he's, he's actually a much better shooter than percentages suggest, but... I just can't be bothered anymore. It's just yeah. too hot and cold. So I moved him. I sacrificed some picks. And I took Mike Muscala and Mike Scott. Mike Scott is shooting like 19% from downtown. But he, that is abnormal for him. He's ha- He's got like a court case pending as well. So there are some issues there. But he's an expiring contract. So at worst, he can deliver some three-point shooting for me. If things doesn't work out, he's gone. But Mike Muscala is the get here. Mike is the get. He's a center who can drain the three ball at over 40%. I need that on my team. I want to run new era ball and surround that with Jimmy. So I'm just going to give Mike and Jimmy a whole bunch of pick and pop situations. Like, go for it, guys. Just get those threes up. Congratulations. You built a more modern offense than the actual Gar Packs. I'm very proud Appreciate of you. It. Appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to run through what I did as the Sixers GM, and then, Sarah, I want you to tell us if you would hire either one of us or if we were both <laughs> terrible GMs this week. So, as the Sixers, uh, obviously, my first order of business was to trade Jalil Okafor. Uh, I declared it was open season on him and i actually got more interest in him than i was expecting i really thought i was going to get nothing of actual value for him um i did not take this offer but phoenix offered me tj warren plus the worst of their pick and miami's pick in 2021 completely unprotected i was very tempted by that but 
uh, you know, Warren started the season off well, but has kind of, he had that weird head injury, which I still don't think they actually said what it was for a month. Uh, and then it's just not a great shooter. So I didn't love his fit next to uh, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. So I went to the Dallas Mavericks, who I actually think could be a real life destination for him. Uh, and so for Jaleel Okafor, I received Seth Curry, JJ Barea, and a 2020 first round pick. Uh, I, I frankly probably would have done the deal for Seth Curry alone. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and this was like right before Curry had this, he started really breaking out right before Yogi Ferrell turned into the next coming of Jeremy Lin. So it was like, <laughs> I think I caught the Dallas GM at the perfect time before he really got to appreciate Seth Curry, uh, how good he is. The J.J. Barea part was just uh, we needed salary filler, and he offered Devin Harris at first, but for some reason he wanted to keep Devin Harris. So I was like, all right, just throw in J.J. Barea then. That's great. Allows me to move on from Sergio Rodriguez this offseason. He's cheap. He's cost-controlled for, I think, the next two years. And then the 2021st, I mean, obviously. Getting an unprotected first-round pick. Dallas did a lot. Again, go check out B-Ball Breakdown for the full uh, recap. I, I won't. I don't remember exactly how he ended up with all of these players, but he had already uh, taken. He got Alan Crabb for West Matthews. Um, he had a big trade with Miami, where he got Hassan Whiteside and Josh Richardson. So that team is like probably going to be better than the real life Mavericks in 2020. That said. Even like a you know a number fifteen, number eighteen pick for Okafor plus Curry plus Berea was just too hard to turn down. I love Curry's fit next to Simmons and Embiid, so that was my big consideration in weighing any trade. And then I tried to trade Arsenio Sova, didn't find any takers. People were going after Nerlens for me, uh, but I didn't get anything really that I you know that I came close to Nerlens, Covington, and the Lakers pick for Clay Thompson, but uh, I would have been very thin at the three without Covington. I really like, I just love him. I just think he's so mm-hmm. underrated. Great shooter, like elite defender. Uh, and I worry that Clay going for the Warriors to the Sixers would probably just check out mentally until he could get out <laughs> two years down the line. So that, that was the deal I came close on, but... Uh, I couldn't pull the trigger. I was I was happy with where my roster was after that Curry deal. I dis- dislike you so strongly right now, Brian, because that <laughs> that package you got for Jalil Okafor, I only <laughs> had amazing. one offer better for Jimmy freaking Butler. <laughs> you should have worked with Dallas, man. Yeah, apparently I should. Apparently I should. Handing out assets like Halloween candy. Uh, <laughs> so, Sarah, what what do you think of our faux GMing. How did we do? What I love is that you were so into it and committed, Brian, that you were thinking of Clay Thompson's hypothetical mental <laughs> state about yeah. getting traded to the Sixers. <laughs> that's that's pretty thorough. Yeah. Uh, sure, I'd hire you guys, but I mean, don't get too excited because only a crazy person would hire me. <laughs> but yeah, why not? I mean, I, I, I agree with more. I really like uh, Muscala next to Jimmy. And Brian, I think Seth Curry next to Simmons would be a lot of fun. So, yeah, can't, can't argue with either of those. I, I didn't read through the whole thing, but I think I noticed the Jazz made a lot of moves, right? I was a little disappointed because 
you know, my exec of the year, Dennis Lindsay. I didn't want his whole team mm. just yeah. dismantled. I, I know you got Daryl Morey, but I'm still Lindsay. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't want to see that team break up. Yeah, I know. I, I think Portland was probably the one that made the most trades. I know he traded Damian Lillard and then, like, made – five other deals as well yeah i think damien went to utah oh did he okay I think. yeah that's how i remember it. <laughs> I, I really like after Not i sure. traded okafor i was like i'm out basically like I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm good like i'm good with where i am I, because it by that point it had already started to devolve into pure madness mm. um orlando also gets a shout out they the guy running that team coles wicker did a fantastic job he like got rid of all their veterans he brought in I don't know. You guys have to look at the go to b-ball breakdown, check it out, but pay close attention to Orlando. He did he, better than Rob Hennigan, is what you're saying. <laughs> I mean, that's a very low bar to set, but yeah, he <laughs> he did much much better than Rob. Oh, he brought in Otto Porter for like oh yeah, I remember and that Derek one. Favors. Yep, yeah, I remember like, that. I he, remember and that. he has Aaron Gordon at the four. Like, yeah, that team. It, it, they should really consider hiring Cole and firing Rob Hennigan because. Within the span of a week, he gave that franchise the direction it has lacked for the last four and a half years. Oh man, yeah, we should uh, we should like do that again with over a people breakdown because that was that was kind of fun, like weird, yeah, very right. weird, but fun. Right. Yeah. 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 Ho- hopefully, people would. I, I don't know. I don't want to say they didn't take it seriously, but there were definitely some GMs. You know, yeah. I, I don't think Damian Lillard is up for grabs in the next two weeks in real life. I will say that much. Um. Let's touch briefly. There's one other thing that we need to hit on in the Where Amazing Happens before we get to our crush. Uh, (laughs) The NBA, according to ESPN.com's Tim McMahon, they sent a memo to all 30 teams uh, emphasizing rules prohibiting, quote, mocking and or ridiculing opponents or officials on team social media accounts. Uh, It seems like this may have been sparked by the Twitter beef between uh, Chandler Parsons and CJ McCollum, in which place uh, CJ or sorry Chandler responded to a tweet from Portland that said "Good luck in the lottery show this year," and then McCollum responded to that and said "We hit the lottery by not signing you." <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, what do you think about this this NBA telling the official? Wait, I should know this is just the teams, I believe, like the team social media accounts. I don't think they're. Um, they're weighing in on the players themselves, but what do you think about the NBA cracking down on the team social media accounts? I have an analogy, but it's disgusting, so I won't really bring it up. But <laughs> no, I will because I am a disgusting human person. But sure, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, imagine, scared. imagine the best sex you've ever had. Right, like just uh-huh. the best sex you've ever had. It's you're on another planet, basically. And then out of nowhere, one of you just farts and ruins everything. <laughs> that's that's basically what the NBA is doing because these NBA Twitter accounts are fantastic. They are yeah. so great. Like when yeah. in, during the summer, they have Photoshop uh, pho- Photoshop ops and and like contests for whatever, and it's so entertaining. Like I I I find myself sitting on Twitter for like an hour longer if, if I see like seven or eight teams are just shooting the shit amongst each other. I love it. It's so great. If you want to handcuff that now, like talk about making the perfect dish and then crabbing all over it. Like don't. Yeah. 
just just yeah. don't keep keep this sex flowing i guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i mean the, especially even the the parsons thing i think was mostly harmless and, and funny and everybody enjoyed it um i could understand why the nba would want to kind of curtail that especially for team accounts but but really i i think like Morton said that they've been they've been clever they've been a lot of fun people have enjoyed it i think it's good for us though because you know we've kind of been uh kissing the nba's butt a little bit about how That's great true. it is <laughs> yeah. so, so we we can finally have something to complain about a little so bit. true yeah, so That's true it's a good point I screw guess you adam, nba yeah adam <laughs> silver is just He's taking after Donald Trump. He's trying to silence anyone that does not agree with his views. Yeah. So that's good. We could we could always tie this back to Donald Trump. We should protest baseball. outside the league yeah. office now. <laughs> I'll I'll go take my dog down to the Jerry Colangelo Center and have him pee on it. I'll I'll have a sign up said, "Don't grab my hashtag." <laughs> my hashtag, my choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Alright, so uh, we're going to all get fired, so let's just go on to our My Crush of the Week, and we'll get out of here. Sarah, who is your... Well, sorry, just to remind all my listeners here, this is a player who does not get the attention they deserve, not the Kevin Durant and the Stephen Oh, it's okay, Brian, they know, they fall. Okay, okay, so Sarah, who is your crush of the week? Damn it, it was Kevin Durant, so... (laughs) No, uh, Harry Barnes, who I think Ooh. we may have picked before. I don't remember. That's fine. But, he deserves it, again. Um, yeah, I mean, over the last five, he's averaging 19.5 points on 52% shooting, including 31 points uh, on 12 of 20 and a big OT win over the Jazz the other night. Mm-hmm. So I just I just wanted to throw him a little love because he, he, he was the butt of so many jokes yeah. last year. And even this summer, you know, which was natural. You were like, oh, they turned Harry Barnes into Kevin Durant. (laughs) But, but, you know, it's nice to see him really coming into his own. And and he really helped close out that game. I think, was it last night? Yeah. All the nights were running together. (laughs) Thursday night, yes. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he was was going at, he had Borstiao on him at one point, which I don't know how that happened. But, (laughs) yeah, he was just going at everybody. They threw at him, and it was good to see. He's coming into his own, so good for you, Harrison. Yes, yes, deserved shout-out, to. Yeah, you're right. We, I mean, we were guilty as anyone of making fun of that mm-hmm. contract and making fun of him in the playoffs. Uh, so, yeah, it's good to see him shutting all of us up because he is playing very well this season. Uh, Mort, how about you? Who's your crush of the week? Well, you know I've kind of reinvented this segment a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to do it again, because this time it's not about a guy who's done something fantastic, but a guy I hope is going to do something fantastic, and that is Rashad Vaughn from the Milwaukee Bucks. Because now that Jabari Parker has gone down, I I know theoretically he shouldn't see a minute increase because Chris Middleton is back. Whatever. Uh I want to see this used as an explanation of getting Vaughn more minutes. I think he can shoot. I think he can really shoot the basketball to a much better degree than what we've seen. Like, he was pretty good at UNLV, but I think he's got another gear here on the next level, and I want to see it. And if the Bucks are, you know, going for the young guy route anyway, what's the harm? Just yeah. Rashad Vaughn, get your butt out on that court and start making some threes, man. Hmm. 
And I, like I th- that's my predict. My prediction is that when we shoot next time around, he's had a couple games and he's scored in double figures. Just once, then I'm good. Just wow. one game with double figures, then I'm good. I like that. That's a good, yeah. That would be, he's a guy, you know, we were talking about the Bucks earlier. I didn't even mention him in their young court. But yeah, he's he's right in there too. Uh, I'm going to stick with the Bucks this week. I'm first, I'm going to do two players the first of which we have discussed a lot already, but Jabari Parker, you know, we will not have a chance to discuss him again, most likely. So I just want to give him a, one final shout out. Kid was playing so goddamn well before he went down. He was putting out career high numbers across the board. Uh, I hope he gets back to where he was or even anywhere close to it. You know, I know it's going to be a long, hard rehab process. Uh, hopefully. You know, going through it once already, he knows what to expect this time around. So maybe that sense, it'll be a little bit easier. He at least knows some of the mental challenges. Um, But yeah, you just hate to see a kid that young go down. Uh, And again, condolences to Bucks fans. That said, I don't know if you guys saw this, but Bleacher Report's Howard Beck had a huge feature this week on Thon Maker. Go check it out. It's fantastic. Greek Freak said Thonmaker is better at this stage than he was. So if you're a Bucks fan and you're upset about Jabari Parker, just know that, you know, Thon's not playing all that much right now, mostly because, you know, five of the 15 players on the Bucks roster are centers. That said, it sounds like according to Beck's piece, that's by design. They basically wrote this off as a developmental year for Thon. They're opening a D-League franchise next season. Uh, so maybe if you know they don't move Monroe or Henson and they still are clogged up front, maybe Thon gets some minutes there. But it really sounds like this kid, they are very, very high on him. Uh, and it sounds like you know we've had this unicorn talk going around the NBA this year about Embiid and Porzingis and Miles Turner and Carl Anthony Towns. It sounds like Thon Maker is going to be in there sooner rather than later so we haven't seen much of him but i after reading uh howard beck's piece i am very very excited about seeing him hopefully in the weeks and months to come yeah definitely like he was he was hyped so you know and and i i think it was kind of weird because going into the draft like a lot of people were saying you know, oh, it was all hype. It was high school uh, mixtapes, whatever. He shouldn't even get drafted in the first round and all that. And then the Bucks took him a tenth, and people were like, yeah. "Wow, that's that's high." And 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 yet, even though that the the vast majority of people were like, "Oh, he should be a late first round, early second round pick," when he was chosen at tenth, it was sort of like validation. Like NBA teams had sort of accepted that no, he was actually going to be legitimately good. He was genuine, right? And then yeah. everyone started falling aboard. Like, oh, okay, okay, he's gonna be great, perfect, good, go Bucks, go Thon. Mm-hmm. Like, so I'm waiting. I mean, I was kind of surprised to learn that Thon had already made 11 threes this year, and he's played mm-hmm. like 149 minutes. Yeah, that's a seven-one dude. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it sounds. You know, they made the illusion to Giannis because he was also, like, a super raw pick at 15 a couple of years ago. Everyone was like, oh, well, that's – why did you pick him there? He's Like, that that was a huge surprise. And you're right. Mm-hmm. When they picked Thon 10th, it was also, like, way before anyone expected him to go off the board. But, you know, based on their success with Giannis a couple of years ago, with Malcolm Brogdon this year, 
There are probably few scouting departments I trust more right now than I do Milwaukee's. So if they saw something in Thon that made them draft him this high, yeah. it sounds like the kid has an insatiable like appetite, both in terms of actually eating. They said he's like based, like breaking their food budget because um, <laughs> they're trying to pack on weight and his metabolism is just too fast. Like he's not doing it. Uh, but also like the kid is just so he's hungry to get better. Uh, he really, <laughs> yeah, he really wants to be a star player. He's putting in the work behind the scenes, so and he likes you know. analytics. Remember, that, yeah, yeah. That I saw a mini documentary about him in high school. Like oh. he's really into analytics and where to get his shots and whatnot. So you know, Seth yeah. Part now is just like licking his chops. Oh, I know, I know. So I'm, I'm. If I'm a Bucks fan, I'm sad about Jabari, but rest assured, you still have Greek Freak, you still have Middleton, and Thon sounds like he's legit. So. There is reason to be excited in Milwaukee still. And with that said, we are going to wrap things up on this episode of the NBA Podcast. Thank you for listening. Again, be sure to check us out on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find all three of our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. Again, please subscribe, download, leave us some reviews. We'd love any feedback. And check out FanRag Sports, where we're being hosted this year at FanRag Sports on Twitter, and then at FanRag NBA for their NBA content. Morton, Sarah, as always, it was great talking to you two. Likewise, Brian. You too. All right, take care. Sheila's teenage son, Stephen, had a been-there-done-that attitude. So when she took him to Cracker Barrel to try new southern bowls, he smirked. He'd done burrito bowls, rice bowls, even a pokey bowl. But Stephen had never seen southern ingredients like sweet onion jam, maple pepper bacon, crispy grits cakes, or pimento cheese sauce. Which meant Mom was right. From surprising moments with Mom to new southern bowls. For a limited time at Cracker Barrel, enjoy every little thing. And May 6, 2018, menu varies by location. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store And now, an ad from Dad. All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.